Welcome back, Intimates. I'm excited to find you experts to talk about love, connection, non-monogamy, polyamory, relationship anarchy, group sex, kink, commitment, and lots of other intimacy and relationship topics. Let's live our best lives together by unlearning stigma and getting clear on what we really want. Don't know what to ask for? I have loads of ideas for you. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of my amazing Patreon supporters or my current hosts, the Musqueam First Nation on whose unceded lands this podcast was made and this human was born. If you want to support more intimate interactions, you can say thank you by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Patreon supporters also get every episode of the podcast ad-free with short intros and outros. I know funds are not an option for some of you lovely humans, but don't fret, there are other ways you can help out. You can help make more intimate interactions by just telling someone you listen to this podcast. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can share a link to an episode you like and discuss it with a friend or partner, or even leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting site. Help other humans interested in more intimacy and better relationships find us. If you have your own podcast, shout us out. Need a podcast guest? Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. This session, we talk about orcas and other dolphins in the Pacific Northwest with Billy. Billy is a passionate lover of all things cetacean and tells us anecdotes about this largest dolphin, and we talk about different kinds of orcas. It's much needed and appreciated as a break in terms of all the super heavy content that Billy and I have been talking about in terms of accessibility and chronic illness, disability, chronic pain, ableism. And throughout all of that much harder content, Billy maintains her kind, positive, and intensely empathetic perspective. You'll get a dose of that today just listening to her talk passionately about orcas. We briefly get into pen and paper role-playing games near the end and have a really quick COVID check-in. I did honestly enjoy this less heavy one, probably as much or more than my other sessions with Billy. So I'm very excited to share it with you. Enjoy. A little over a year ago, my grandma passed away and we were on our way to her funeral and some of the transient orcas showed up and I recognized that it was T125A and her kids. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was like watching and I was like, oh, your baby's like three yet now. That's so cute. And I'm like saying this stuff to my parents. And my dad's like, look behind you. And I'm like, I look and all these people are standing around me. And I'm like, what? And then they're like, do you know more? And I was like, uh, yeah. So I like stand up. <laughs> I'm like, As you can see here, this is a small group of Biggs orcas, formerly known as transient. If you look here, this is the matriarch, T125A. <laughs> Over yonder, you can see her family. I was like, my dad was just like, what just happened? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a tour guide on the BC Ferry now, okay? That's how this is. That's, I love and that they... my parents were just like laughing and like all the people on the boat are just mesmerized. And I was like what you guys don't recognize them look at her saddle patch (laughs) how could you not tell it was her they should hire you well i did i worked at steveston um uh steveston whale watching oh i didn't know that steveston sea breeze adventures that makes sense yeah um my legs couldn't handle the boat oh so i'm so sorry to hear that yeah it was pretty crazy. I was doing a tour with them and like, so it was like during training and stuff. 
and uh, Alpod showed up. And you're not allowed to really see Alpod anymore. Okay. But um, the southern residents, you have to stay uh, 200 meters back now. So this was kind of before that. And then the orcas made their own choices because we had to stop the boat because they decided they were going to change course. So next thing you know, Cruiser and Mystery, two like, big boys of the Alpod, just start coming right at the boat. Like They turned and decided to charge the boat. And they got right up to the boat, and cru- like Cruiser did a huge blowhole spray right in my face. And I was like, Cruiser, how dare you? <laughs> and everyone was like, who's Cruiser? And I was like, he's Cruiser. <laughs> like, that's his little brother mystery. <laughs> and it was just like so funny. And I was like talking to the orcas by their names. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> amazing. Then- and then my heart broke last year when Cruiser passed away. And I was like, no, he sprayed me with his blowhole spray. We had a connection. Aw. I'm really sorry to hear that Cruiser passed away. That sucks. It did suck. How long do They've, orcas live? They're not doing well, though. Pardon? How long do orcas live? Uh, females will live anywhere from 60 to 90 years, typically. Wow. Um, males... 40 to 50 because the issue is that um orcas will stay with their moms for life right and so what usually happens unfortunately when a mother passes away and especially like in transient communities and stuff because they're they're smaller groupings Mm -hmm. when the mom passes away any male children usually do too shortly after Mm -hmm. um what's was amazing story is there was granny i don't know if you've heard about her she was 105 years old when she died okay three years ago okay um i got to see her in the wild i cried like crazy <laughs> but she actually ended up adopting a little boy from Elpod, and she's from jpod so onyx um his mother passed away when he was two so everyone thought he was going to die like that's usually how it goes if you have a young orca and their mom dies they die wow um, but he just decided to join up with like his mom's sister and that was kind of working for a little while and then for some reason he separated from them as well and then he latched on to one more orca who then also passed away so the fact that onyx now has already gone through three moms pretty sad uh but then out of nowhere he came across jpod and Granny, who was the matriarch of all of them and was definitely way out of breeding ears, she was massively done with that, mm-hmm. decided to take her on. And after that, for like 15 plus years, you never saw them not together until Granny died. That's like, really they were together adorable. Every, every moment. And now he still stays with J Pod. Well, that's really, really cute. Yeah, right? Like, he just kept trying. He's like, all right, this is my new mom. Dies. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) This is my new mom. (laughs) Like, I mean, at that point, like, he's got fight in him. Like, that's, that's an orca that's meant to live right there. Yeah. It's, it's funny. He went through all the problems. It's funny how that turned into a microcosm, um, like, allegorically almost for um, um, chronic illness of, like, the ones who live are just everything is is. well see my hugest thing 
is I want disabled people to be treated like disabled orcas. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's three stories that I know of orcas with chronic illnesses. Um, so one who he only just passed away and it's so sad. His, his name was Tumbo. He was in our waters. So he was a transient, a big Zorka. Mm-hmm. And he was born with scoliosis. So as you can imagine for an orca, that's basically a death warrant. Right. Um, cause your entire spine is twisted. Well, how do you swim if your spine is twisted? Mm-hmm. So he had some pretty very obvious deformities. But his family and other transient orcas fed him. They would swim with him the speed that he could swim. Then they would go hunt. They would bring him back food. What? Like They basically like, stay here. We're going to go get dinner. Like mm-hmm. they, would, they did everything in their power to keep him alive. And unfortunately, he just became too twisted and just passed away. But like... There was nothing those orcas wouldn't do to help him. Like, leaving him behind was not an option. And when you think about wild animals, that's almost completely opposite of most of them. The weak are going to get you killed, kill them off, and keep going. Right. So, with orcas, they're like, he's hurt, and we will help him. And, like, there's Pickle down in New Zealand, who's missing... uh, um, the dorsal fin and pectoral one pectoral fin. Wow. And he's got he's got some issues, but his family makes sure that they do everything for him as well. Like he does hunt with them and he does probably about what half of what he needs, but they make sure that they fill up the rest of that. Mm-hmm. Like they will not let their fellow orca suffer. And I was like, it's weird because then you look at you know, humans. And you hear about these people, oh, they don't want to work. They just don't want jobs. They right. just drain society. No, 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 no. And it's like, geez, even orcas can just shut up and help. <laughs> <laughs> like, figure it out. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why orcas are better than people. <laughs> and that's why I was supposed to be born as one and accidentally came out human. And that's <laughs> Thank why you for I'm coming great. to my TED Talk. <laughs> well if i'm why am i rubbery if i wasn't meant to be an orca that's a very good Figure question that one out. i i have no answer i don't have a genetic condition the condition is that i was born human i like that <laughs> secretly you've just been an orca this whole time in a human's body and i'm just tricking everyone by advocating for orca they're like oh i all of a sudden have this appreciation for them and i want to protect <laughs> them and i was like ha 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 yes the plan worked. Yes, you were. Good job sending me to the earth, Orca. You did the right thing. (laughs) So Uh, tell me some more stories about Orcas. This is actually really fun. (laughs) I don't know. Like what? I don't know. What do you want to know about them? They do so many cool things. They do so many cool things. I I recently saw, um, oh, they weren't Orcas. They were dolphins. And I was watching a planet... Orcas are dolphins. Let me just let me just throw that out there. Sorry, sorry. Fair enough. Well, they're all cetaceans, right? Yes, but orca are de- delphinidae. So you got your cetaceans, and then you've got your like toothed whales, your whales, and then you've got your dolphins and porpoises, right? And orcas so, are dolphins and porpoises. 
Orcas are the largest dolphin. They're oh, dolphin a day. My goodness, I did not know this. That's amazing. Right? I get in that argument all the time. And funnily enough, I don't know if you've seen that comic online that's like an orca is on the stand and a seal's like, and what kind of whale are you? And then <laughs> the orca's like, uh I didn't get it the proper way the first time. And I was like, haha, it's because they're dolphins. And then everyone's like, no, Billy, because he would have to say killer whale. <laughs> and oh. it, just, <laughs> it just did not. I know too much. I love that. <laughs> I love that the nerdy answer actually ruins the joke because <laughs> he knew too much to find it funny. Because like, oh, he's not a whale. I get it. And I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't call them orca. I call them, or I mean, sorry, I don't call them killer whales. Right. Because it, it's actually a misnomer. It was the Haida um, and everything. People used to call them whale killers because literally they kill whales. Right. And then somehow white people were all, they're killer whales. Right. And they're like, no, it was a nice, beautiful, long name that explained that they killed other whales. But you ruined it. Which, yeah, they've definitely, I've seen um, footage of them hunting, like, um, baby gray whales. And it's just, like, like, gray whale calves. It's just so sad to, to watch oh, that. I hate it. I hate that I love orca because they're so terrible. They eat penguins. They, ugh. they eat all the animals we love. I know. Except the ones on land. <laughs> but maybe they, they should eat people. Although... <laughs> Although it's debatable um, that they don't eat on land because there have been cases of orcas, as I'm sure you know, nearly beaching themselves, shooting out of the water to hunt something that thought it was safe on a beach, and then wiggling back into the water with the kill. Yeah, it's it's one family, actually, and it started with two brothers in Argentina, and they actually taught their sisters how to do it. It's so cool. Yeah, and it's really cool. Um, I can't. I don't know why I'm spacing on his name. That's okay. But the big boy, when he beaches himself, it's insane because he's like one of the largest orca in the world, and you just like watch his body, completely out of water, just sitting on a beach, munching on baby seals, and then just like pushes himself back, and you're just like, holy crap. Yeah, it's but, it's so potentially lethal for them too. Yeah. I guess he's just strong enough to take a little bit of crushing in order to get delicious baby seal. Yeah. Like it's uh, phenomenal. Like, I just don't know how they do that. The body strength it must take. uh, So cool. Uh, Yeah. Um, What other cool uh, orchid behaviors um, would folks not know about? Well, I mean, it it also depends on where you're at too, right? Like, cause you can actually swim with them in uh norway really yeah yeah so like there's a few different places you actually do a little bit more wild interaction it's still up to the orca if it wants to come up to you or not right you know but but there's more Um, preventing you doing that here like legally yeah exactly well it's because our groupings are kind of strange in a sense so like you there's about six ecotypes of orcas throughout the world and some are less endangered than others if you actually compare them genetically they're quite different um but there's always a specific code that marks as like it's still an orca but it's a funny orca 
<laughs> so in the BC waters, we've got transients, which are now called bigs, residents, and offshore. What are so your transients? What are what does bigs stand for? Biggs is Michael Biggs. He's the first person that realized that transient and resident orcas were not the same. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Really, really, really amazing guy. Um, so they decided a couple of years ago, I believe, yeah, he passed away. So they decided a couple of years back to remove transient and call them uh, Biggs instead. Cool. So B-I-G-G-S. Yeah. Um, so you've got your residents and they're quite picky. They like Chinook salmon and pretty much nothing else. They will settle for other salmon, but they are less inclined to do that. And it's also why they're dying. Uh, We're down to 79 members of the Southern residents now between the three pods, whereas the Northern residents are at about 183. So obviously there's a disconnect in what's happening up by Port Hardy and in Robson Bight. Mm-hmm. compared to what we're doing down here. And what we're do- doing down here is damming rivers that Chinook form. Right. So we're, we're a big part of the problem right now. Uh, and that's why I don't eat Chinook salmon. I do not buy Chinook salmon. Another name that you might see it under is spring salmon. Okay. So uh, if you're ever wanting to save the orcas by not eating fish. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, and so they tend to be smaller and their dorsal fins are rounder. So when you look at the females, it's going to be always really quite curved. The males is still fairly erect, but it's going to have a bit more of a curve to the top of it. Cool. Uh, is how you can tell that it's a resident or yeah. And then if you see transients, they're a bit bigger, mm-hmm. uh, cause they eat mammals and pretty much only mammals. They're not really that big and wasting their time with fish. So they like seals and whales when they can get their hands on them and all that good stuff. And they have very erect dorsal fins. So even the females are quite sharp. They don't have the nice curved end. It's more of a a harsh Mm -hmm. dorsal fin. And the males is almost straight. And you can see like a lot of jaggedness to it. Interesting. Um, What's really cool is Galliano, who lives off our coast, Mm -hmm. he so named for the island, so mm-hmm. surprising, uh, is the largest orca in our waters. And his actually curves a tiny little bit at the top. So he's got like a little flop going on because he's so big that his dorsal fin is probably more than seven feet tall. What? Yeah. I didn't realize dorsal fins could be that big. How big is he as a whale? I'h sorry, as a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, why can't I think of orca sizes right now? So, quite a few feet. Um, well, I mean, if his dorsal think. fin is seven feet, like obviously he's yeah, longer than like, seven feet. Yeah. Okay. So males are bigger, obviously, usually six to eight meters. Females, five to seven meters. So they're, they're big. Right? That's like, like anywhere up to like 25, 26 feet. Yep. That's nuts. Yep. Is big animal. Yeah, when, when, when Cruiser and Mystery were coming at the boat and they were like right next to me, I was like, holy crap. Yeah. You guys, like, they, the, their body was like, you know, half the boat. <laughs> the two of them coming under were like covering the distance of the boat. I'm like, holy crap. Um, 
So, yeah, when they really get in your face, it's very obvious because you're he's going down and his dorsal fin is still taller than you as it's like slowly cutting through the water. Wow. You're just like, what? There's, um, there's a sense of awe that I get, I think, from large ocean mammals because they're just so enormous. Yeah, they are. Like, we have some big animals regularly, but like only a few. But these mm-hmm. guys were like, if they had to be on land, oh my God, the strength it would take. Just the pressure moving an orca puts on its organs is like horrifying, which is why captivity is evil. Hmm. In case anyone was wondering about that. In case anyone, in case anyone was wondering. I don't even like the Vancouver Aquarium. <laughs> and the and the funny thing is too, like they seem at least from their PR, like they've done a lot in terms of trying to rehab rehabilitate whales and do like an ocean wise program, which is better than no program, but. I'm sure you have a lot of reasonable criticisms of that. Yeah. Like my concern is just how easy they deem animals unreleasable. Mm. Like the amount of like animals that are saved versus saved to stay at the aquarium is what, like what concerns me. Right. Oh, like Mm -hmm. this otter is injured. Guess we better keep it. Like, no, right. stop touching him and he can go back to the ocean. But instead, he becomes another friendly face stuck in a tank. Um, right. So that's my concern. The fact that they signed, uh, like this was, oh, probably seven or eight years ago now, but they were working with Georgia Aquarium to buy wild-caught beluga. Holy shit, that's not good. In this decade, in this decade to bring in 18 wild-caught beluga. I don't even know why they thought they'd have space for that. And some of our belugas, like, we don't have any more actually in Vancouver Aquarium, but we do have at least two on loan to SeaWorld in their breeding program. I thought we had I thought we had two belugas. Are they not there anymore? They both died. Oh, that's really sad. They think some sort of poison got in the water because one got sick and died, and then her daughter got sick and died. That's so sad. Oh, my heart broke. I was in love with Aurora. She was such a pure little girl. I remember seeing both of them. Wow. So I don't think I ever saw her daughter because that's kind of when I was going through my realization phase of like I can't go here anymore. Right. Because um, I went uh, back in. 2011 i would say mm-hmm. and i was watching and i'm not a, i'm not a religious person and i'm not really spiritual and you know that about me but for some reason i think cetaceans understand me i think they have bigger brains than us even i think they have a bigger understanding of things you know what i mean it's like not that they're telepathic or anything but i think they sense things better than we do because um, they have a whole frontal cortex that's completely different from ours that would regulate emotions and uh, input from others. That is so, so cool. I didn't know that. Tell me more about station brains. <laughs> yeah, like they have an entire section that we don't have. And they think that it's actually for emotion and communication. So like so, if I'd humans say- were to develop like the ability to be social and take care of each other and be really kind... Like that kind maybe of idea? Yeah, like maybe maybe that would develop in us. That would be really cool. 
but yeah they're like we this animal is just so much more complicated than we're, we're used to right i mean i bet if they had limbs and opposable thumbs like humans would be out <laughs> <laughs> right because um, clearly they're capable of like in-group out-group thinking and like that the the transients are, ca- are certainly eat mammals and are capable of killing you know like gray whale calves and such so like clearly it's not that they're just like universally kind amazing animals but when they're dealing with other orcas they certainly seem to be and they work together really well everybody has a purpose you know like when they're taking down a whale you know, everyone has to do exactly the right maneuver to get the whale away from its mom. That's true. And everybody's still safe from the mom because a tail whack from a mature great gray whale is going to be extremely powerful. Right. So they want to get as far away from the mom as they can so that she can't hurt them. Right. So it's, it's a huge ballet, basically, to have it go through. Yes. Right? Suffocating a so, calf is very difficult to do. <sighs> so it's, the neat thing I'm noticing too is that whales function in pods the same sort of way um, humans used to function in smaller troops or gangs. Yeah. And there's that hypothesis, I can't remember what it's called right now, that humans can only remember about 150 faces and stories oh, very yeah, well. The, the monkey thing. Yeah, and that once you get larger than that, than that social circle, you just can't track as well. Yeah, it just becomes numbers instead of people you care about. Right. And the the in-group, out-group can still be very strong with humans, and they're capable of the same kind of incredible empathy that obviously orcas show each other in these smaller groups. Um, Mm -hmm. Aren't there super pods that some dolphins form sometimes? So what happens, Most it's actually usually the residents that do it, so northern and southern, Mm -hmm. um, is that it's sometimes twice a year they get together as a whole family and it's like a big barbecue family reunion <laughs> like, pretty much like uh jk and l pod will all get together and like it's so cute because the babies play and the moms get to wander off the side and all the brothers have to babysit like it's so cute it's so cute that is really adorable <laughs> like Probably because I'm female is why I love the structure of orca life so much. <laughs> that it's matriarchal. Like, got... <laughs> exactly. You got your mama. She calls the shots. The boys always have to babysit, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. And they even have like specific ways how they hunt. So it's like, say they're going through active pass, which is like a fairly small channel when you think about it. Sure. The women will swim down the middle and the men will swim down the sides. And, like, if the men happen to get, like, extra food and stuff, they have to bring it back to the middle, back to the moms and babies. Aww. So they have a whole system worked out that, you know, everybody gets their share. And everybody does a bit of work. Mm-hmm. Like, the males only leave for a couple months to go get laid and hopefully impregnate another orca, and then they find their family again. That's That's interesting. So... Whales that are residents will be will become transients. Is that right? Uh, they'll usually wander off to another pod. Got it. Um, so like stuff like that. An, like you'll be like, oh, like three of the K pod orcas are with L pod. Got like, it. Wonder what 
about and it's like uh we know what that's about so they're obviously their their eating habits wouldn't change um like big zorkas they wouldn't be off to another country like big zorkas it's just more sharing genetic material among pods in the residence exactly like actually there's one orca in um jk like he's in j pod but he has impregnated over 65 percent <laughs> over 65 percent of the orcas that exist right now are his babies <laughs> that's a little bit absurd like that guy gets them like and he, then some you've got to be such a dashing and charming orca for all the fam right? orcas to be like yeah i'll have your babies <laughs> they're like oh you were just with my sister last week but oh well <laughs> <laughs> I was jealous as hell then, and she's going to be jealous of me this week. Well, and I don't envy orcas, like, 18-month gestation period. Oof. No, thank you. Yeah, that's that's no. a long, that is a long time to be pregnant. Oh, my God, I can't even imagine. I mean, I... I mean, I guess it's like floating around in water, but, ugh. I can't even imagine nine months. symptoms like women. Absolutely. Like, I can't imagine that hormonal shifts are any easier on other mammals than they would be on humans. Yeah, exactly. I mean, presumably the birth is a lot easier because they don't need to stand on anything. So crazy. Oh, well, sad, too. Um, I don't know if you remembered Orca Scarlet a few years back. So she was one of the babies of the 2015 boom. Okay. Um, She got really sick about a year and a half ago and unfortunately passed away but she the reason they named her scarlet was because as soon as she was born she had scratches all over her which is normal on grown-up orcas but not normal on babies because she got stuck and her sister actually pulled her out oh so she had some some rake marks some teeth marks down her body so um, because she actually had an assisted birth. Like they actually know how to help each other. Like that's like baby. orca midwifery. Yeah. Like sister all of a sudden had to be like, all right, new member of the pod. <laughs> Gotta go get her out. That's, so, that's amazing. Had to use teeth, but you know, that's, yeah. I, that's incredible. I did not know that there were assisted birth practices among some orca pods. Yeah, because there is actually quite a bit of uh, stillbirth and um, also like just death from the pregnant or from the birth in general for mm-hmm. the mom as well. So it seems like a lot of the female orca, orcas have learned like these tactics to help the mom through the birth. I mean, it makes I don't know. it makes complete sense from an evolutionary perspective that you know daughters and sons that helped their mothers um, when their mothers were struggling would have more siblings and therefore like their genetic material and those patterns would reproduce themselves. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I don't know if you, you probably remember Taliqua, the orca that pushed around her dead calf for 17 days. Oh, very vaguely. I remember seeing the news story on it. She's pregnant again. Oh, well, I really hope that it's a healthy calf this time. Me too. I'm like scared for her. I don't think she would survive another stillbirth because she was devastated. Yeah. Obviously, you don't do 
something that severe in your mourning process if you're not totally broken. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is, that and is. It, and it, stillbirth happens, especially like firstborn with orcas. So I just, I just hope that that means that this one's just going to come along and everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll know in about a year, <laughs> but yeah, she's, she's getting a little fat on the side. So yay. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. It's always good to hear those There's hopeful. Three pregnant orcas. Okay. Three. Um, yeah, you mean JK and Elpod each have one. Aw, that sounds like it's actually a good indicator for the population. Hopefully it means they found food. Normally that's what it means. But Huh. As long as they have food, they make more babies. Do orcas have the ability to control whether or not they get pregnant from sex? I don't think so but i also don't know how much casual they have right whereas some dolphins casually have sex with everything yes the males do like to show themselves off frequently (laughs) (laughs) well and and also oh my god like there's been i've seen like the funniest photos because obviously i follow everything and then some of course and it's just like one of the groups that i follow it was one of the ones that were down um, kind of more towards California. So they've got their own California transients down there. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, so-and-so was very happy to see us today. And he was like, it's like a video of him laying on his back. And he's just like flopping his dick around. Just back and forth, <laughs> back and forth. Like, and you're just like watching this like, oh, my God. Can you imagine if people were like that? <laughs> I just want everyone to see my dick today. I think some people uh, are like that. That's true, actually. That's very true. <laughs> I just think... If, we... if private messages are any indication of what humans are like. Oh, my God. Yeah, the difference... Apparently, not enough to have married on my Facebook page. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what I'm hearing is when orcas get mobile devices, we're all doomed. Pretty much. God forbid that ever happened. <laughs> if they learn how to communicate with us, we're screwed. We'll learn that- Unless they teach us things. Sorry? Unless they teach us things. They'll be like, you treat your disabled people how? <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Men run the show? What are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> I also like that your default was to go to the orca speaking rather than the person speaking. Yeah. People have nothing good to say. <laughs> so, um... If, if my choice is to listen to a speech by an orca and a speech by a human, I'm taking the orca speech. Well, we've all like, we've all heard the speech by the human. No one's heard a speech by an orca yet. Not when they understood. I, I, I can't even go on Facebook anymore because just the comment sections of things is driving me nuts. I've, I've made it so I'm only interacting with like friends now so that I'm getting less news articles because then I'm getting less Trump comments. Yeah, there's a lot of disturbing stuff in the news right now that's concerning and upsetting. I know it's because like when you're when you're an empathetic person and like you like helping people mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're faced with the fact that other people don't think like that, you're just like what? How? Right. Yeah, it's like I can't I can't comprehend it. Like I just don't my brain just goes like, why would someone do that? Because the benefit of all is what makes things move forward. 
And also the advantages in that, like the strength that diversity brings to sets of ideas and to sets of genes, like the notion that diversity isn't extremely positive for the well-being of the society and the species is just such a crazy, not scientific notion to me that I really struggle with um, people who don't like diversity. Yeah, I, I like I fully just like don't get it. Like when you think about even just genetic issues in like lineages of like dogs and that people mm-hmm. sell like because when you think about it all dogs were dog and then bred for color and temperament and hair and whatnot yeah like and the more mutt of a dog you have the healthier you or it usually is because it's not getting those weird genetic dispositions of hips that dislocate right and like weird things that you get right you get hip dysplasia you get, there's all sorts of stuff that comes with the overbreeding of like one specific look right it's like what they're going for right, right. Not, and it's like and we see that in humans too like the um the exactly. monarchy in, in in england and in europe that sort of developed a lot of hemophilia is like the perfect example of inbreeding and why it's not a good thing yeah oh yeah and i didn't even mention because i said the transients and the residents but my one of my favorites are offshore orca mm-hmm. and they're weird and they're pretty solo so even smaller groups than transients and they're smaller orca mm-hmm. than residents they're littler so like they're the ones that would fall on like the six meter end of things and um do you know what they eat what do they eat? sharks that's pretty amazing so big fishes <laughs> yes and they are wasteful so they frustrate me a little bit. <laughs> they go around and flip sharks on their back because if you flip a shark, it's it can no longer orientate itself and it will eat its liver out and then leave it to die. That is super wasteful. Yeah. They just want the fatty liver. They want as much as they can, as fast as they can. And then I'll go get more. Wow. So the neat thing about that, too, is that by removing other essentially apex predators from that food chain, there's then more fish, which, of course, they don't really have tons of desire for. But, you know, other orcas can have those fish. Yeah. But then also that body is going to float to the bottom floor and then all the little crustaceans are going to eat that. Mm -hmm. And then everything's eat the little crustaceans. And like, you know, so even though they're wasteful in their eating, Mm -hmm. Unlike people, it goes on to somebody else, <laughs> and now they're going to benefit from it. Right. So, um, BBC. It's horrible what they do. <laughs> BBC has like their, their documentary Blue Planet Two, which just has some of the most incredible shots, including where they dive all the way down and follow a whale fall down. You get to see, you get to see the the great whites tearing and eating all of the fatty bits of the whale when it's floating on the surface. And once all the fat's gone, it no longer floats. So as it descends, they follow it and you get all the different groups that eat different stages of the whale right down to the point where literally all that's left on the bottom after the crustaceans and all the detritivores have sort of harvested most of the remaining scraps of meat. There are still like worms that use acid i think to burrow into the bone and consume the bones until there's nothing but powder basically 
Yeah, it's it's insane. Like the ocean system is just so cool in so many ways. Right. Like we could <laughs> even even the geography of the ocean constantly shifting the way you have those, you know, thermal vents that obviously um, produce sulfur and other compounds that are very useful to, um, you know, the the bacteria and archaea, yeah. you know, that are, are have whole metabolisms based on those vents. But then you also have like the parts of the ocean where the floor dips back into the earth and is essentially recycled. Yeah, like it, it's almost kind of strange how people stopped being nomadic. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like whales and sharks and everything—they have like areas they follow. You can follow great whites like around the world mm-hmm. of a system that they follow, and they just do it every year. And then all of a sudden, like we come around and we're like, "Well, we can walk on two legs now," and I'm gonna build a house. <laughs> I mean, I honestly think it was the same reason that probably some orcas decided to be residents. They were probably just like, "Hey, you know, yeah. we consistently get good fish here. We could just stay here and be satisfied with some good fish instead of going out for the, you know, the shark foie gras." <laughs> yeah, and well, even the resident orcas like even ours will go down to mexico for the winter oh really i didn't know that yeah they're not usually here from about uh usually november december january yeah they sometimes come back in february and then they'll disappear again but they don't usually like take home here Mm -hmm. again until april and then that's when they start like doing their breeding and feeding and all that good stuff. But yeah, like they, they, they like to leave as much as we do. <laughs> We're like off to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. That's going to go for fun in the sun. That's super cool. But they just go to warmer waters. They're like, we're going to winter over down here and then be back for the fish. Well, even humpback whales, like they spend their summers in Alaska and then they spend their winters in the sea of Cortez down in Mexico. Oh, in the Baja California, sir. Cool. And the reason they go to uh, the Sea of Cortez is the Sea of Cortez is extremely salty. So it makes it very easy to float. So it's a super good place to have babies. Aww. So they have their calves and then they can float for a while. with not a whole lot of, I mean, like you do get great whites and stuff like that in the Sea of Cortez, but they're not as common there mm-hmm. as they would be kind of like on the shore out in the great ocean. Mm-hmm. So, um, they go to, there because it's fairly safe and they the babies don't have to try to like learn the whole swimming and diving thing. Right. And then they start making their way back. And what's really cool is the gray whales do this too. Uh, Orca Network, they're based in Washington. Mm-hmm. They do a yearly trip down to Baja and I need to do it one day when I get rich. And <laughs> You get to touch the whales because they've gotten used to the boat, the greys and the humpbacks. They will take their baby and push their baby up to the boat. What? And get underneath it and lift it up so that the baby's like looking into the boat. That is the and it's coolest. Like a, Look what I did. <laughs> I love that they know that like, we're here and that we're sentient enough to enjoy watching them that we come out and watch them and try and interact with them. And then they're like, check it out. New member of the pod. Okay. Bye now. I made a baby. Look at her. Look at her. All right. Time to go. Like, I'm like, that is the coolest thing. Like 
humpbacks are total show-offs like they jump around boats more they really do they entertain <laughs> that's great i i just i can't get over that they lift their babies out of the water it's just like a parent showing you pictures of their kid except it's a whale showing you its calf <laughs> right like it's like i had a baby look oh my god so much has changed and you're just like <laughs> holy shit that's a big whale right? <laughs> that baby could crush me yeah you're like okay well that baby's already four times my size yikes <laughs> It's it's nuts. It's like some of the gestational periods might be really long, but like how formed babies can come out of mammals is ludicrous to me. Like the fact that elephant babies can come out weighing a ton and then just like be up on their feet in like, you know, very short time period. Well, our babies didn't used to be so, so different, right. but humans were so inclined to walk on two legs that our hips narrowed. Right. And once those narrowed, well, the birth canal got a little too small. And that's why they come out all weak and squishy. Well, because to produce a head that is proportionally the size it needs to be to hold our brains, we have to be birthed when our heads are smaller in the developmental process. So yep. makes sense. And you know what's annoying is I was explaining that to my husband two days ago, and he yelled at me for trying to sound smart. Wow, really? He's like, why are you even talking about that? Nobody cares. I'm like evolution is cool i think evolution's super cool yeah it was super not cool of him i was like whatever and i just like left the room <laughs> i was like no but yeah i just think that's so crazy like it's amazing that we walk and we can do all these things but think about how much we push back by doing that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean now we have to spend all this time taking care of these little weak things it's, <laughs> so it's, that they don't hurt themselves. Right, or kill themselves. Yeah, it's it's honestly, it's such a trade-off, though, because now we have learned to be able to take such a big picture view of the world. We can manufacture incredibly complex items, and the way that we sort of ratchet human progress forward with the way that we collectively store and teach all this knowledge about the world that no one of us could ever hold all of, it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And yet there's so much available that... You can literally go and learn everything you need to know about doing something horrendously complex if you really had the drive to. You you too could learn how to make a mobile phone and why it works. Yeah, exactly. But that's... And I, I wish more people had that drive. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I want to understand the process behind things. You know, I'm like, oh, I need to... I may not fully understand the full concept. I don't, you know, go to genius levels, but why are you I not know playing? How works you should be playing like, in my pen and paper role playing game. It would be just about perfect for you. Oh, what is it? So I'm playing. So are you familiar with pen and paper role playing? No, I I, I know nothing. So basically, okay, are you fam you're familiar with playing video games though, right? Yeah, I play Animal Crossing. Great. <laughs> Um, so pen and paper role playing is where you do a video game that is abstractly constructed by someone other than you and the video game is interactions are done through speech and role play. So the idea is you have a character that was born in a fictional society in a fictional world and you get a character sheet and the character sheet has like um, rough representations of what your character is capable of doing. So like skills they're particularly good at and skills they're not so good at and skills they're terrible at um, and because of the character you imagine, 
um, you show up to the game and you're like, cool. And you can play a couple of ways. Some people really enjoy getting into the role playing and just being their character for the session, which is a great way to play. It's often encouraged. Um, and other people who are too nervous or anxious to do that will show up to the session and be like, oh, my character does this. My character does that. Oh, can my character try and convince you of this thing? And they'll just like roll dice related to how good they're supposed to be at things. And then the storyteller or game master, so me in this case, um, improvises what that looks like in the world. So the math sort of decides whether or not you make an asset of yourself trying to convince someone of something if you're not willing to do it in role play. And then I have to come up with a story that matches what the dice say. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like my, my friends play D and D and have tried to get me into it a few times. Um, I didn't want to join their squad though. Cause you keep me meeting in person. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> so we meet online on discord and everything we're doing is totally COVID friendly. See, that's awesome. They could easily do that. It is true. I think they were doing it originally, and now they, like, hug each other and take pictures. Mm hmm Which is probably not the most COVID-safe thing to do. No, I've, I've tried every which way of explaining it to them. Even telling them that it's an affront to me as a person with chronic illness, that my friends would think it was okay to do something that could continue the spread of a virus that would kill me. Right. You guys, do you guys see how that's insulting to me? Yeah, I can definitely see how that's upsetting. <laughs> it's almost an affront. So, yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm at. So how was it, Intimates? Did you love something you heard? Or maybe you're upset by something I said? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash interactions. Or you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon where you can find our Discord server. All of these communities are available on IntimatePodcast.com, and I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful. It's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favorite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite, to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of Intimate Interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler, and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.